my goodness. Good morning, good afternoon, whatever it is for you. I hope you're having a fantastic day. My name is Zach Schaumler. This is Strong Opinion Sports. Thank you so very much for tuning in. Oh my goodness. It's uh it's late. It is it's like eleven twenty-two PM uh Thursday, May third. Uh so it's basically it's it's gonna this will post on Friday, May 4th. I'm tired, I'm exhausted, it's the end of the school year. I have one final left, it's tomorrow morning at 8 a.m., so yes, I am up. I have a final in about eight and a half hours. I don't care, whatever, we're here. I, uh, I'm really excited to do this podcast. It's my last one you will see in this room for months and months, because uh, next time you see me, I will be in another room with a different background. <laughs> oh, everyone's excited about that. Same hairstyle, same stupid hairstyle, but you'll see me, I'm excited. Um, you know, I just, I love this show so much. This is my passion, it's my favorite thing in the world. Uh, you know what my favorite thing about doing Strong Opinion Sports is? My favorite thing about doing this show is finding comparisons, where, finding a way to compare real life to sports. I love that. I love trying to connect real life and sports and doing comparisons like that. It's my favorite thing. You know, I, I get comments sometimes that are people saying, stop trying to be like Colin Cowherd. And I'm like, well, first of all, that's dumb for many, many reasons. The first reason that's dumb is... Of course I want to be like Colin Coward. Colin Coward is super successful. It's, that's kind of my idol growing up. And, and I just, I love his show. I love his format. I'm not necessarily trying to be like him. It's just, that's the content I like. I enjoy making comparisons. That's the kind of broadcasting I like. I find that entertaining. I find it more interesting. I hate Dan Patrick. You know who Dan Patrick is? Dan Patrick is an old, boring guy that I don't want to listen to. I hate his show. He uses heavy sports jargon. He doesn't simplified things for people that aren't big sports fans. You know, I have, I have a guy, a buddy of mine listens to this podcast. We became friends. Uh, he listened to this podcast in Texas. He's not a big sports fan. He doesn't like sports. He likes soccer, and that's about it. And yet he listens to my podcast, all about football, sometimes basketball. And he enjoys it because he likes the storytelling aspect. He finds it entertaining, even though he doesn't always understand the football side. That's really cool. You know, one time I listened to Dan Patrick, and he talked about childhood lunches for 15 minutes and I'm like dude I don't care I want to get to sports I'm sorry now I'm ranting but I, I just I don't want to just be another guy on YouTube yammering about sports I enjoy making comparisons that's what I think is entertaining that's what I think is interesting and so you could because ultimately that's what sports are sports are entertainment and that's what I've prepared for you guys today I've prepared a couple analogies I really like I'm going to poke some fun at Giants fans I'm going to make fun of some of the people that are commenting and I, I just Ah, I'm excited to make fun of some Giants fans. But first, I want to start with this. I, I want to start with Russell Westbrook because, you know, I, I recently somewhat defended Russell Westbrook. I talked about losing in six games to the Utah Jazz. And I pointed out, I said, this is not all Russell Westbrook's fault. Losing to the Utah Jazz was not entirely Russell Westbrook's fault. And I had a commenter, a guy named Johnny. Johnny, I love you. You're awesome. I really do. Like Johnny comments on a lot of stuff. He's great, but he, he commented, Johnny said, don't you find Russell Westbrook annoying? Like, doesn't Russell Westbrook drive you nuts? And I said, yeah, Russell Westbrook does drive me nuts, but that's, that's not why I want to, I want to give Russell Westbrook a fair shot. And I've been trying to do that over and over and over again. Every time I criticize Russell Westbrook, I still want to give him a fair shot, but I do think it's important to point out. It's not if, but when Paul George leaves Oklahoma city, it will be Russell Westbrook's fault. Nobody else's. You know, I've been single for two years now. And, and I've, I have tried many times to have a relationship in those two years. I've tried and I've failed. 
And it was always the girls that ended things. It was never me. They're always, you know, you're too busy. You're bad at replying to texts. You're too distant. It was always some other reason, something wrong with me. Girls would end things with me. And so I had to look in the mirror. I realized, you know, the constant in every, every situation is not working out. And the reason is because of me, myself. I looked in the mirror and I realized I am the problem. And what's interesting is people would leave me and go find another relationship and be much happier. And many of the people I had things with that ended and failed are now in very happy, successful relationships a year, year and a half, six months later. And so I want to talk about three players that recently left Russell Westbrook. Victor Oladipo, Kevin Durant, and James Harden. If you look at the stats, Victor Oladipo left Oklahoma City. His shooting percentage went up, his three-point percentage went up, and he's, he's playing better. Now, you, you can argue with Victor Oladipo. I think that's, of all the ones you can argue about, this is the best argument uh, for why leaving Russell Westbrook is not clearly... When Victor Oladipo left Russell Westbrook, it's not necessarily Russell Westbrook's fault that he got better, uh, or maybe Russell Best- Westbrook wasn't limiting Victor Oladipo because Victor Oladipo is only five years into the league. Maybe he's a young player. He's developing. He's getting better every year. That's fine. But then you look at Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant left Russell Westbrook. And since he left Russell Westbrook, he's had his two best years as a shooter. He won an NBA title. You, you can argue for sure, without a shadow of a doubt, Kevin Durant is not only happier without Russell Westbrook, he's more productive. He's playing better. He's happier. He's healthier. He's winning games. And he's playing better. The other one's James Harden. Now, James Harden did not necessarily, he did, he did want to get out, right? He wanted more money. That's why he asked to be traded and wanted to be traded, whatever that situation was. But it wasn't like James Harden left Russell Westbrook in free agency. However, we can all admit, since leaving Russell Westbrook, James Harden is more successful. He's happier. He's healthier. He'll probably be the MVP this year. When you look back at that Oklahoma City Thunder team, they had Kevin Durant, James Harden, and Russell Westbrook. Three, what now will be three most valuable players in the NBA were on that team all at once. And they all left. They all left Russell Westbrook and they all found success other places and have been more successful and happier without Russell Westbrook. The point is, if a bunch of people leave you and when they leave you, they get happier, they're better off, they're in better situations. That means you are the problem. The reason why six girls said, I don't want to be with Zach. I'm going to end this and I'm going to go find someone else was because of me. I was the problem. Russell Westbrook can say as much as he wants. Everybody leaves me. Feel bad for me. Well, uh, Russell Westbrook, I don't feel bad for you because you are the problem. Russell Westbrook is the problem in Oklahoma City. Look in the mirror. Russell Westbrook is hard to play with. He's cannot control his emotions. He's weirdly emotional. Remember the Ricky Rubio moment or times with the media this year. Russell Westbrook lashes out, even with Utah fans. Russell Westbrook refused to give a sales pitch to Paul George. Remember that? Remember that whole saying? Russell Westbrook said, you know, my best sales pitch is I'm going to win a championship. (laughs) Well, clearly that failed. So how about you just be a good teammate? How about you be nice? People skills. People want to work with people who have good people skills, who treat them well. It sounds like Russell Westbrook wasn't doing the other stuff because it's, it's great to win championships to have success. But just because you're rich doesn't necessarily mean your wife will stay with you. You still got to take care of her. And Russell Westbrook did not, sounds like it did not, do the work of taking care of Paul George to make him happy. 
So look, the reason why everybody leaves Russell Westbrook is because Russell Westbrook is the problem. Russell Westbrook needs to look in the mirror and realize, I have issues, I need to change, or else no one is ever going to want to play with me ever again. I, I cannot imagine a time right now where a big-time free agent says, you know what, I want to go play with Russell Westbrook. No. If you've been divorced five times, you're the problem. There's a reason why supermodels don't want to marry you, because you say, oh, I may, maybe if, I, I don't want to go there. But the point is, if everybody leaves you, if nobody wants to be with you, you are the problem. Russell Westbrook is the problem. He needs to look in the mirror and make some self-improvements, or else he will never ever win an NBA championship. With that being said, I want to I want to continue with Russell Westbrook. Because Russell Westbrook recently had an incident where he was yelling at a Utah Jazz fan. And now there's a video of James Harden also yelling at a fan. Well, it's a Utah Jazz fan filming James Harden. The Utah Jazz fan says, "You're the worst flopper in the NBA." And James Harden retaliates he hits the guy's phone, walks away. It's not a big deal, really, not necessarily. But I don't understand why NBA athletes or any super like successful athlete, why do professional athletes care about what fans say? I don't understand. Why do they listen? I understand people are mean. But why is an NBA player who makes $30 million a year listening to what a fan thinks? Why? doesn't matter. Here's the truth. Here's the truth. That's part of the job. Part of the job of being a professional athlete is dealing with fans. I hate to say that. It sucks. It's not fun. It's not an enjoyable part of the job, but it is part of the job. Is you have to be able to handle fans. And the way Russell Westbrook especially handled fans was really, really lackluster. It's part of the job description. Does it suck? Yes. Does dealing with fans, are they awful? Are they mean? Is it unfortunate? You have to deal with crappy fans. Yes, it sucks. And do they say mean things? Yes, of course. But will it change? No. I get horrible comments all the time on YouTube. I do. I get awful, awful stuff. And I don't complain. Because if I'm going to make videos on YouTube, that's just part of the job. It comes with the territory. It's in the job description. People are going to say mean things on YouTube. You just accept it. You suck it up. You move on. Like People say things like, people say to me, they've made fun of my dead brother. They've said, you suck. They said, your hair is stupid. They've told me to give up on YouTube. I'm about to get a thousand subscribers, which is not very much, but it, it's, it's enough. It's, it's encouraging to me. And the point is you just can't worry about them. Why are you using your energy thinking about people who are awful and mean? You just can't listen. Angry commenters are out there. Just don't pay attention. You just can't. Why is Russell Westbrook? Why is James Harden? And I'm going to say this when any type of athlete, for some reason, athletes always do this. Every, every couple months, every maybe six months, eight months, whatever it is, we'll see uh, an athlete retaliate against the fans. Why? Why do you care? You're a millionaire. They're just haters on YouTube comments. Don't listen to them. I, I don't pay attention to those people anymore. I pay attention to people like Jabari or Joe or Kantaroff, whatever that guy's name is, Elmer Fudd. There were so many people in my, Poop Bud is like this ridiculously stupid name, but he's nice. He comments on everything. Those are the people I pay attention to, and that's what professional athletes should do. Don't waste your time. Don't waste your energy listening to 
fans that are mean and yelling at you. Go find the one fan that wants to high five you and likes you. Give your attention to that person. Why do you care about people who hate you? Just don't. Why is Russell Westbrook wasting his energy with an angry Utah Jazz fan? Letting his emotions get the best of him. Don't. And if you're James Harden, look, I know it. this will become nothing. No one's gonna, James Harden won't get fined. Nothing bad will happen because he hit a guy's phone down. But just don't. Just don't go there. It's too risky. It doesn't help you. It only hurts you. And, and if you are a, an athlete making $30 million a year, you should not care what some doctor or some bartender or some school teacher says about you while you're performing. It doesn't matter. In fact, it's part of the job. Part of the job is dealing with fans. I know that's awful. I know that's not a popular opinion. Most people say they would defend their athletes, but I'm not going to. I, I've gotten too much hate on YouTube. It's just part of the job. Ignore it, suck it up, and move on. <clears throat> All right, we have a great podcast today. I'm, I'm so self-conscious because I don't know how loud this is. We might actually get a, a, a noise complaint today, tonight. I'm really nervous, and I, I feel like I'm talking really quickly because I'm nervous, and I'm afraid of getting a noise complaint. So today I'm going to comment on the Charles Barkley silliness. He said something. He had to apologize. I think it's all dumb, but we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about Baker Mayfield. We're going to talk. I'm going to triple down. I'm going to triple down on my opinion about the New York Giants. We're going to revisit my eight teams. I think there are eight teams who can win the Super Bowl. We're going to revisit that. A lot of you guys were mad. You guys hated that list. There are three teams I left off. We're going to revisit that, kind of have a deeper discussion. It'll be fun. And then there's one quarterback that you aren't thinking about. And in a couple years, you will be. So I'm going to put a guy on your radar, a guy you've probably never heard of. And if you have, you're not thinking about him anymore. I'm going to put a quarterback on your radar, and that's going to be really fun. That's how I will close out the show. Remember, you can subscribe to Strong Opinion Sports on iTunes, on SoundCloud, and on YouTube. You can find the full entire hour-long podcast on YouTube, as well as my best, most interesting clips. Tell your friends about this show. If you like Strong Opinion Sports as much as I do, help me grow this podcast by telling your friends about this show. All right. Do I sound tired? Dude, I'm beat, man. Like I, oh my gosh, I am, uh, I'm excited. You know, I'm taking like about a week, a little under a week off. Not really. I'm going to go work in Bozeman, but, um, it'll be nice to not have school. And as much as I love YouTube, I want to write and really get more thought into these shows than I've been doing. So I'm really excited to kind of take a week off to, to sit and write a ton and really prepare a great show. I can't wait for that. So I want to talk about this first. A, a friend of mine called me earlier this week. They were having, they were having relationship issues, and so my friend's boyfriend broke up with her. They're now on a break, and we all know what that means. When you go on a break, uh, it's done. And what he told her was this weird sticky line. I didn't really understand. He said, "I won't date you because you don't value community enough." I was like, "What does that mean?" Like, what are you talking about? Is that a joke? What do you mean she doesn't value community enough? That's not even, there's no substance there. It doesn't mean anything. It's just buzzword. You're saying things because it sounds smart. It sounds like something, it sounds like a good reason to break up with someone. It's not, by the way. It was stupid. And I just, I've been noticing that we do the same thing with quarterbacks. Everybody's saying all this stuff. You know, Baker Mayfield, he's a winner. 
Why? It doesn't matter. That doesn't even mean anything. There's no substance. Just like saying some buzzword, you know, oh, she doesn't value community. Do you know what that actually means? You can't define it. When she confronted him, she said, what does that mean? He said, well, uh, you don't hang out with your friends enough. It's like, it's just some crap your mom told you. When you tell, when you tell me Baker Mayfield should be the number one overall pick because he's a winner. That has no substance. That means basically nothing. You know who's a winner? Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts, the Alabama quarterback. I believe he's like 26-2 and two in the last two years. I mean, he's unbelievable. He's a winner. Ooh. It means nothing. Being a quote-unquote winner in college does not actually mean you're a great quarterback. Because a lot of people win games. And it's just annoying to me that the Browns especially keep throwing around uh, Browns fans, people defending Baker Mayfield, even their general manager. The one phrase, I can get over the rest, the one phrase that kills me is, Baker Mayfield is a winner. That means nothing. Look, I believe in Baker Mayfield. I like him. He's good at reading defenses. He's got good enough arm strength. He's got incredible accuracy. Baker Mayfield, I'm even okay with Brown's coaches saying, Baker Mayfield has overcome a lot of adversity in his life. When people say that, if, if the Browns coaches and the Browns fans would say, we like Baker Mayfield because he walked on twice. When the going gets tough, he doesn't give up. That's more substance than he's a winner. Because he's a winner doesn't mean anything. Or even say this. You could even say we believe in Baker Mayfield as a leader. I like that more than he's a winner. The one just please, for the love of God, stop saying Baker Mayfield is a winner. That means nothing. It's stupid. It's ridiculous. Colt McCoy's a winner. Colt Brennan, Kellen Moore, Jalen Hurts. There are so many quarterbacks in college that are quote unquote winners. Doesn't mean anything. So stop throwing that language around. Do not, please, for the love of God, do not call Baker Mayfield a winner. It means nothing. All right. <clears throat> Have you ever made fun of a, a really super confident person? Someone who feels secure? Have you ever made fun of someone like that? It's not very fun. They don't, I mean, you're like, you're ugly. And they're like, no, I'm not. Go away. Like, they don't, it doesn't bother them at all. Then my good friend, Andrew, for example, he's really, really smart. He goes to a really intense, really good college. Um, if I called him dumb, he would just laugh me off. He'd go, I'm not dumb. I'm in this is expensive college. He has self-confidence. He's not worried about that. But what if Andrew was not self-confident? What if Andrew was insecure about his smarts? He kind of struggled. He would every night he'd go to bed and go, am I smart? I don't know. And then when you criticized him and called him dumb, he'd go, Ugh, and it would, it would crush him. He'd get all mad. He'd get offended because he's afraid that my joke has some truth in it. When there's some truth there, it offends people even more. It bothers them more. That is what's happening with Giants fans right now. Yes, I'm trolling them even more. I don't care. Giants fans are the most sensitive, sensitive people I've met in a long, long time. It's, whoo, it's ridiculous. So I, I criticized the Giants the other day, uh, about a week, right after the draft, last Friday, when the Giants drafted Saquon Barkley and passed on Sam Darnold. I said that was a massive, massive mistake, and I am, I've doubled down on it. I am tripling down on it right now. That was a huge mistake. Look, I think Saquon Barkley is going to be successful, but come to me in two to three years when the Giants are not in the playoffs and the Jets are because the Giants don't have a quarterback and the Jets do. 
The main comment I keep getting on YouTube is this. Giants fans will say, we can find another quarterback. Oh, we'll, we'll get another quarterback. We can always find a quarterback. R- really? Franchise quarterbacks don't grow on trees. I don't understand where this notion comes from. We can always just find another quarterback as if there's a huge abundance of them. They're everywhere. You can always find them. That's not true. That's not true at all. So I want to go back in history. Johnny Unitas. The last time Johnny Unitas started for the Colts was 1972. They were still in Baltimore. And it wasn't until 1999, over 20 years later, in a different city, that the Colts drafted Peyton Manning. Over 20 years before they had another great quarterback. Or how about this, the Browns. The Browns had Bernie Kosar in 1996. 22 years later, in 2018, they have Baker Mayfield. Who might? Baker Mayfield might be a franchise quarterback. But they've tried over and over and over again, and they've failed. How about this? The Tennessee Titans. In 2005, Steve McNair had his last start as the Tennessee Titans quarterback. And it wasn't until 10 years later they got Marcus Mariota in 2015. That was 10 years of misery between Vince Young and Jake Locker, Kerry Collins, Zach Mettenberger. The point is, quarterbacks do not grow on trees. You can't just, oh, we'll just get another quarterback. It doesn't work like that. You had an opportunity to get one, and you decided not to. The Giants passed on a franchise quarterback and drafted a running back instead. It's unforgivable. It's a huge, massive mistake. I will say that until the day I die. Even look at the Giants themselves. Phil Simms made his last start as the Giants starting quarterback in 1993. Phil Simms won Super Bowls. <laughs> and then guess what? It wasn't until 2005 the Giants got Eli Manning. Over 12 years. Are you, are you really willing to wit- risk the next 12 years without a quarterback, Giants fans? Because you had one and you passed on him. And admit it, it was a huge mistake. You're insecure about it. That's why you're angry. You're going to say, we're not angry because we're insecure. We're angry because you're wrong. Okay, come find me in two to three years. We'll sort it out. I'll be right. You'll be wrong. I guarantee you. Look, here's what's going to happen. Saquon Barkley's going to have success. He's an amazing player. He's going to look really good, especially at the beginning of next season. But guess what? It's not going to win games. Saquon Barkley is going to be unbelievable, and the Giants are going to win like six games. So what's going to happen? Don't come crying to me saying, oh, you were right. I'm sorry. I mean, you'll never do that anyways. You guys are New Yorkers. But the point is, you had a quarterback. You passed on him. You drafted a running back instead. And now you're not going to win your division. And you're not going to win your division in two years, in three years, in four years, or in five years. Because the Giants do not have a future franchise quarterback. They have the dregs of Eli Manning. You know, the bottom of orange juice, there's like a little bit of pulp, the dregs. That's all that Eli Manning has left. There's nothing left in the tank for Eli Manning. And I promise you, he might have like a little bit of success. He might not be awful this year, but they're not going to win a Super Bowl. They're not going to win their division. And having a little bit of success is not the same as dominating the NFL. And that's what they could have done in two to three years with a great coach and a great young quarterback. I believe the Giants made a massive, massive mistake when they passed on Sam Darnold. It's unforgivable. I'll never let them forget it. You can hate me, be angry. All I'll say is, Saquon Barkley is going to have success. 
It's going to look like I was wrong. It really will. The beginning of next year, you're going to go, Zach was wrong. He's crazy. Have patience. Come talk to me in two to three years when the Giants have, not only they don't even have the dregs of Eli Manning anymore, the Giants will have nothing at quarterback and the Jets will have Sam Darnold. Come talk to me in two to three years, Giants fans. Just watch. Watch what happens. Quarterbacks do not grow on trees. It's not easy. Good luck trying to find another franchise quarterback in the next five to ten years, Giants fans. It's not going to happen. I'm going to drink some water. You know, my, uh, my goal on this show, my goal is to be interesting. I'm not trying to be right. I don't care about being right. I throw about like, I say like 40 opinions a week. I'm not going to be right every time. It just doesn't happen. I try to be interesting. I want to be entertaining. I want to be honest. I want to be authentic. I'll never lie to you guys. I don't want a bunch of yes men though. I don't want a bunch of people that the only reason they subscribe to my channel, the only reason they listen to my podcast is because they agree with me all the time. That would be weird and that would suck. I enjoy, for the record, I love when you guys push back. I also like when you're like, yeah, Zach, you're right. You're so smart. But I also, I also really like when people say, mm, you're wrong. I'm going to challenge you. I don't believe in what you're saying. I think you're off. I enjoy that. I really do. I think it's fun. Because I want to make you think. I want to make you argue with me. And if you disagree with me, please leave a comment in the YouTube and leave a YouTube comment and tell me how you feel. I tried to say YouTube comment section and that didn't quite work. The point is, if you don't agree with me, fine. You don't. <laughs> not, I don't expect you to. In fact, I even really like it when you guys say, "Hey, I don't agree with you," and here's why. I embrace that. I enjoy that. Please do that. And I want to heavily discuss a couple comments I got with unhappy commenters, people saying, hey, you did this thing, we didn't like it. So last episode, I made a a list of eight teams I believe could win the Super Bowl. It was only eight. It was very limited. I made a list and everybody got angry. The eight teams were the Patriots, the Eagles, the Packers, the Steelers, the Saints, the Rams, the Vikings, and the Cowboys. Those are my eight teams. I also had three fringe teams. I said the Texans, the Chargers, and the 49ers will probably won't win a Super Bowl, but they're on the fringe. They're close. They're not there yet, but they're close. And the main complaint on this YouTube video, I got a lot of the same comment. It was, where are the Panthers, the Falcons, and the Jaguars? Now, now truthfully, I'll, I'll be honest. I can admit this. The Jaguars and the Falcons should have been on the fringe list. There should have been five fringe teams. Fine. Should have been the Texans, Chargers, 49ers, Jaguars, and Falcons. But let's be honest. Truthfully, I do not believe the Jaguars, the Falcons, or the Panthers can win a Super Bowl next year. I just don't. I just don't. The Saints are going to win the NFC South. The Saints will win the NFC South. Drew Brees, Sean Payton, they're going to win their division. And then maybe the Falcons make a wild card spot. Maybe. Maybe in the ultra-competitive NFC. I don't know that that's going to happen. I mean, look, I wasn't going to put seven NFC teams and three AFC teams on a top 10 list of teams that could win the Super Bowl because I don't think there are seven teams in the NFC that can win the Super Bowl. I just don't. I don't believe that. The, the Panthers and the Falcons, they're not going to even win their own division, and I don't think that's how you win a Super Bowl. I don't. You're not going to own field advantage. It's happened. It's not impossible. I think the Giants did it once, but it's not likely. 
And I don't believe in things that aren't likely. This is a list of this was a list of things that are likely possible that I really strongly believe could win a Super Bowl. I don't really strongly believe the Falcons could win a Super Bowl. Here's why. We'll start with the Jaguars actually first. The reason I don't believe the Jaguars can win a Super Bowl is because they play in an ultra competitive division. The Texans are going to win the division. And then you still have the Colts who will have Andrew Luck and the Tennessee Titans who made a Super Bowl. The AFC South is no cakewalk. It's tough. It's competitive. And the Jaguars are probably going to take a step back. And the other reason is this. The Jaguars quarterback is Blake Bortles. Blake Bortles has never once given me a reason to believe in him. I don't hate him. I like him. But let's be honest. Last year, Blake Bortles had a chance to beat Tom Brady and he did not make it happen. He did not capitalize when he had the opportunity. If if he beats Tom Brady, maybe it would raise my belief in him. It'd be like, oh, wow. Blake Bortles can play big in huge moments and win. But I don't, I've never seen that from Blake Bortles. He did okay. Like they did beat the Steelers. Like congratulations. But that's less impressive than going head to head with Tom Brady and you didn't pull it out. And I just do not believe in Blake Bortles in big moments. I don't think Blake Bortles will win you a Super Bowl, at least not next year. He could keep improving, right? It could happen someday, but not next year. Next year is not the year Blake Bortles will win a Super Bowl. So why not the Falcons? Why not the Panthers? I have the same basic problem with both the Falcons and the Panthers. It's their quarterbacks. Cam Newton and Matt Ryan. Both of them have won the NFL MVP. Ironically, kind of weird, right? Um, and, and I don't believe in them. I don't. I, I just, I simply don't believe in those guys. I don't believe in Cam because Cam's immature. And, and that really, really scares me. I would not, I would not want Cam Newton leading my franchise. It would scare me. I would be far, far away from any team led by Cam Newton. I just do not believe in Cam Newton as a leader of a football team. That's not the guy I would trust to go win a Super Bowl. But if you look at his stats, his stats show me this. He's had one great year. Cam Newton has one year that's kind of an outlier from the rest of his stats. So in 2015, Cam Newton had 35 touchdowns and 10 interceptions. And that's great. That's awesome. He won MVP. But uh, if you take that year out, he averages 20 touchdowns and 14 touchdowns, 14 interceptions. 20 touchdowns and 14 interceptions is what Cam Newton averages if you take out the stats from 2015. And that's that's not a Super Bowl winning quarterback. That's not an impressive guy. That's Cam Newton is really streaky. He had one great year where the stars aligned, and that seems like it's about it. Name the signature win for Cam Newton. Name the big win. Can you think of one? Can you think of the big game in the fourth quarter where Cam Newton stepped up and made it happen? I don't. I do. I do. I will give him credit. In the playoffs last year, Falcons, uh, it, was, it was Saints and Panthers, I believe. I think that's the wild card matchup. I just remember, all I remember from the game was that Cam Newton was taking shot after shot after shot, and he stepped up and he almost won the game. Almost. He didn't win the game, but he showed guts, and I did like that. But but truth is, I just don't believe in Cam Newton and his ability to win a Super Bowl. And I do not believe in Matt Ryan either. Like again, Matt Ryan, he won an MVP one year. 
He has this one year, this great outlier year, and if you take that away, he's just not consistent enough. He's not this amazing quarterback. He's good, but he's not Drew Brees. He's not Tom Brady. He's not Big Ben. He's not Aaron Rodgers. I like Matt Ryan. He's not a top-tier quarterback. He's a Tier 2 quarterback. It's the truth. That's how I feel. And not to mention the one year that Matt Ryan just absolutely dominated. He had Kyle Shanahan. He had this incredible, incredible offensive coordinator who appears to make every quarterback he's around, even in the vicinity of, incredibly good. He won a game last year. Kyle Shanahan won a game with C.J. Beathard at quarterback. (laughs) Okay. All right. Kyle Shanahan can do anything with any quarterback, apparently. And if you give him a guy like Matt Ryan, who's good, works hard, does his job, he's going to succeed and go to new heights. That's just how it is. But right now, Matt Ryan has Steve Sarkeesian. And I don't believe in Steve Sarkeesian. I don't. I like He's like not a horrible person, but I don't think he's a great offensive coordinator. And that does not help Matt Ryan. You already have Matt Ryan, a guy who looks kind of like he had one fluky great year. Then you pair him with an offensive coordinator he doesn't seem to work very well with. And I don't believe in that. I just don't. I think Matt Ryan's going to have a good year. He's going to have good numbers. Calvin Ridley's going to go off. Julio Jones is going to be fantastic. But I do not believe in Matt Ryan's chances to win a Super Bowl. If I had to bet money on it, I'm not betting on Matt Ryan. No way. So I, I don't believe the Falcons, the Panthers, or the Jaguars can win a Super Bowl. A lot of it is because of their quarterback. Some of it is because of their division, and I simply do not believe in those three teams. So, you know, I could have made you guys happy. I could have put the Falcons and the Jaguars kind of in the fringe. That's really where they belong. Like, that's fine. I'll admit that when I was wrong about that. But I don't believe they can win a Super Bowl. I just don't. Just, eh, nah, I'm good. I don't believe in them. And I think it is interesting. If I'm going to tell you why I don't believe in those three teams, I should tell you again why I believe in the eight teams I listed. So these are, I'm revisiting the eight teams I believe can win the Super Bowl. Here's the thing. The number one team on this list is the New England Patriots. And again, this is in no order. This is no, there's no list. But the first team I thought of was the Patriots. And the reason is they have Bill Belichick. They have Tom Brady. They have a weak division. And that's really all you need to say. That's why I believe in the Patriots. Belichick, Brady, weak division. It's a recipe for success. They've done it over and over again. I believe the Patriots could win the Super Bowl again. Not to mention their great draft. There's, there's another reason why I believe in another AFC team. I believe in the Steelers. I believe the Steelers could win a Super Bowl this year. They have a great roster. They, they're in an, a weaker AFC division. So they're not the, the, the AFC as a whole. It's about the Patriots the whatever whoever wins probably the Houston Texans and the Steelers and that's about it in AFC maybe the Jaguars they're close but they're not I think they're going to go down this year a little bit the AFC is not very competitive and if the Steelers can get past Tom Brady they could win a Super Bowl I truly believe that not to mention they have a great roster and the Patriots could be down we've seen all this turmoil this offseason with the Patriots maybe the Steelers have a better year and the, the Patriots have somewhat of an off year The Steelers could slip past them and win a Super Bowl. They have Big Ben. I believe the Steelers could win a Super Bowl. The Vikings. The Vikings have close to the best roster in the NFL. I don't think they actually have the best roster in the NFL, but I believe the Vikings could win a Super Bowl because they almost did it with Case Keenum last year. Now, they have another year of experience on their young roster, and they upgraded at quarterback. Older, more experienced roster, 
upgraded quarterback, that tells me that's a Super Bowl potential for the Vikings. Now, the Packers, there's not very much to say here. The Packers have an improved defense. They got two really good corners in the offseason, and they have Aaron Rodgers. That's about all you need to say. You have Aaron Rodgers with an okay defense. You could win a Super Bowl. That's the truth. The Saints. The Saints, again, the Saints have a great young team. They're going to have one more year of experience, and they have Drew Brees and Sean Payton. They have a good running game, a good defense. I believe the Saints could win a Super Bowl. They got robbed last year. They're going to come back with a vengeance. The Eagles, very simple why the Eagles could win the Super Bowl. The Eagles have an MVP caliber quarterback, Carson Wentz, coming back. And their roster is even better than last year. The Philadelphia Eagles are another title contender again this year. Their roster is even better than last year, and they just won a Super Bowl. The Rams. The Rams have an unbelievable roster. I love what the Rams did this offseason. The Rams went out, and they made move after move after move. They said, we are going all in on the Super Bowl. I believe it paid off. I believe the Rams could win a Super Bowl this year. They have Sean McVay and Jared Goff in their year two of their partnership. I believe Sean McVay is a top-notch, one of the best coaches in the entire NFL. Sean McVay could absolutely get Jared Goff to win a Super Bowl. Now, the last team on my list is the Dallas Cowboys. Of the eight teams I chose to win a Super Bowl, I will 100% admit Dallas is the weakest team on this list. The biggest reason why you might hesitate to believe in Dallas is Dak Prescott. I love Dak Prescott. I like his attitude. I like his maturity. But the truth is, Dak Prescott is pretty much unproven. He's never really given me a good reason to believe in him. But I will say this. The reason why I believe that Cowboys could win the Super Bowl is because last year they did not have Ezekiel Elliott and they almost made the playoffs. And this year, when you add Ezekiel Elliott... I think they're an even better team. They have a better defense than last year. They'll have a much better running game, and they still have Dak Prescott, who is good, not great. He hasn't shown us any reason to doubt him. He just hasn't really given us a reason to believe in him either. And so year three of Dak Prescott, he'll make another stride forward, I believe. So I believe the Dallas Cowboys could win the Super Bowl. Those are my eight teams. Once again, why I believe in those eight teams. It's also worth noting, so Matt Ryan today signed a massive, massive contract extension. Matt Ryan signed a five-year deal with $100 million guaranteed. And you would think, based on what I've said earlier in this podcast, because I I don't really believe in Matt Ryan. I doubt Matt Ryan's ability to win a Super Bowl. However, $100 million guaranteed five-year deal, Matt Ryan is worth every penny I 100% agree with this contract. I do not think they made a mistake at all. Why are the Falcons even relevant? Why are we even talking about the Atlanta Falcons? Because they drafted Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan, whether you think he's a top-tier quarterback, a mid-tier quarterback, whatever it is, the reason why the Falcons are interesting, the reason why the Falcons have a new stadium, the reason why people think they're title contenders is because of Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan is absolutely worth every single penny. You don't have to be in love with him. I don't love Matt Ryan, but I can acknowledge Matt Ryan is the Falcons franchise. He's the reason they're relevant. And hey, if I could get that kind of stability at quarterback, I would. If I had, I would rather take 
Matt Ryan over a mess and pay him $100 million every single day of the week. You don't want to not have a quarterback, and Matt Ryan's a pretty damn good quarterback. He's not a great quarterback. He's not, he's not Tom Brady and I Aaron Rodgers, but he's the second tier down, and I believe Matt Ryan is worth, absolutely worth five years, $100 million guaranteed. And let's be honest. Honestly, the Falcons might have saved money by signing him now. If the Falcons had waited rather than make a deal now, the price might have gone up even more. So I have no problem with the Falcons signing Matt Ryan to a brand new deal worth, again, five years, $100 million, fully guaranteed. It's not crazy. I would have done it. I do not blame the Falcons at all. I think it was a good move. Lock down your quarterback. Honestly, it would have been more if you'd waited until the contract was up because every quarterback is going to one up the next one. And so you want to get Matt Ryan signed now before he's so expensive, he's just a weight holding you down forever. I honestly believe that. I want to comment on Charles Barkley because the other day Charles Barkley said something that just offended everybody, made everybody mad for some reason. And I really want to, I want to play the clip because I, I saw it and was like, Hmm, I don't agree with everybody else's response. This is what Charles Barkley said. As they went to the locker rooms, some friendly chatter between Rajon Rondo and Draymond Green. That's what you want to call it? (laughs) What do you want to call it, Chuckster? I just want somebody to punch him in the face. Which Which one? one? (laughs) American Express halftime report. I really do. I just want somebody to punch him in the face. Why you don't like Draymond? I want to punch him in the face. Why you don't like Draymond? I'm just telling you, I want to punch his ass in the face. I do. So I want to give you guys some context from this clip. In prior to Charles Barkley saying this, Draymond Green is being an absolute punk. He's treating the Pelicans like crap. He's throwing his body around. He's playing really chippy and... I love Draymond Green. I really would love to play with him on the same team. But as much as I would love to play with Draymond Green, I would hate to play against him. And I think it's interesting when Charles Barkley says, man, I want to see someone punch him in the face. I just, I want to ask, is anybody offended? Is anybody like, oh, I'm so hurt. I can't believe he said that. Why, Why are people offended by this? I don't understand. You realize Draymond Green is a millionaire playing professional basketball. I just, I don't get it. Now, I understand why this is a bad thing to say. The reason why you don't say, man, I want to see him get punched is because you don't want to hear little kids. You don't want little kids to hear him say that. The fear is little kids will hear Charles Barkley say this and think, oh, now it's okay for me to punch people. You don't want that. You don't want to hurt or corrupt little children at all. But can I tell you what's really annoying about this? Many, many people on ESPN right now are saying, Oh, it's awful. He shouldn't be saying that. The children. Think of the children. We don't want to corrupt the kids. And Charles Barkley, the, his, his free speech and him saying whatever he wants, it's bad for basketball because what if the children see it? And then ESPN turns around and posts on their Instagram exactly what Charles Barkley said. If it's really that awful, if it's really that bad, you wouldn't share it with the world. You wouldn't use it. You wouldn't promote it. You wouldn't retweet it. But that's exactly what ESPN has done. They made a bigger deal out of it than a smaller deal. If anyone at ESPN actually believed it was such a bad thing, he should have never said it, they wouldn't be talking about it at all. They would simply hide it, bury it, and pretend it didn't exist. And that drives me nuts. Now, I was really sad because 
Charles Barkley actually apologized. It, it was a, it was like a loss for freedom of speech. It was like, oh no, please. You know, he, Charles Barkley said he shouldn't have said it and that he didn't literally want to fight Draymond Green. Yeah, we know, of course. Did anybody watching that actually think, you know, I believe Charles Barkley wants to run up to Draymond Green and just punch him right in the face. I think he's going to get in a fight next time they see him, each other. No, nobody actually thought that. Look, do you understand? Charles Barkley is an entertainer. Charles Barkley is a personality. His point was Draymond Green is being annoying. And Charles Barkley is not a journalist. People on ESPN, again, they're acting like it's, you know, his job to stay out of the story. He's just a conduit. No, he's not a journalist. Charles Barkley's job is to be interesting. Charles Barkley is getting paid money to say things like the thing he just said. He's getting paid to say stuff like that. But when he does it, for some reason, people get offended. Which one do you want? Do you want loud, obnoxious Charles Barkley that says whatever he wants? Or do you want Charles Barkley... Hiding with tape over his mouth, censoring everything he says. I, I just, it's so annoying. I don't think anybody who actually watches basketball was offended by this. I think it was just people on the outside on Twitter that were like, I can't believe someone would say that. It's like, when's the last time you watched an NBA game? I never watched an NBA game. So why are you offended? It doesn't bother, it doesn't even affect you. I just, uh, <laughs> relax, Zach. I, uh, I just was frustrated because it was a, a petty thing ESPN got really mad about, and I was like, this is so dumb. If ESPN's really that mad about it, they wouldn't be showing it everywhere. That was my biggest problem with the Charles Barkley stuff. It didn't bother me. He said it. I laughed at it, and I moved on with my life. I just, we don't need to focus on it. And if you don't know that punching people randomly because you're mad at them is a bad thing, you shouldn't be watching. I don't know. I just don't. How do you, how do you live your life? You should know right from wrong. You should know punching people is not a good thing. But as an off-collar joke, it works. It was okay. I just didn't, it didn't bother me at all. I just, me personally, if it bothered you, I'm sorry it bothered you. But for me, Charles Barkley's comments didn't bother me in the slightest. All right. I want to, you know, everyone keeps, everybody keeps picking LeBron James to lose. And I just don't understand. Like, you know, people are first they're saying, he's gonna lose to the Pacers. Oh no. And next, he's gonna lose to the Raptors. The Raptors have a ton of depth. And uh currently, as of tonight, LeBron James is now up two games to none on the Toronto Raptors. And tonight, in the game tonight, which they blew out the Raptors, LeBron James shot 68%. He had 43 points. He played fantastic. And I just do not understand why everybody keeps betting against LeBron James. I don't get it. I never will. LeBron James has never given us a reason to doubt him. He's never slipped up. He's never, he's never give us, given us a reason to say, you know what? I think now LeBron James is going to go. I think now LeBron James is suddenly not going to be the best player in basketball. Because guess what? He's going on 15 years in a row without any decline at all. I don't understand. Like... I just until LeBron James gives us a reason to doubt him, why are we doubting him? You're you're just so ready to move on from LeBron James. It's like relax. He's still incredible. He's still the best player in the world. There there are two people in my lifetime that have defied all logic. LeBron James 
and Tom Brady. Tom Brady, I don't know how in the world a man at 40 years old won the NFL MVP. That shouldn't happen. It shouldn't work that way. It should be impossible. And the other one's LeBron James, 15 years into the league, averaging 37 minutes a night, played all 82 games of this NBA season. And LeBron James is playing amazing. He's not given us any reason to think LeBron James will not be back in the NBA Finals again this year. So I'm telling you now, I am predicting LeBron James to win the East and go play the Warriors again in the NBA Finals. He's not given us any reason to doubt him. And until LeBron James starts slipping, I'm not going to jump off the LeBron James ship. I just don't have any reason to doubt LeBron James. I'm telling you now, LeBron James will once again be in the NBA Finals. It'll be Warriors and Cavs again. The Warriors will win in four. That is what is going to happen. And you know what's really amazing about LeBron James? You know, I've watched my whole life. And first of all, I watched the 10-minute version of the Toronto Raptors, Cleveland Cavaliers highlight version. Because I, I, I didn't watch the game. I'm busy. I'm in the middle of finals. But I watched it. I was eating dinner and I watched the 10-minute abbreviated version. My God, LeBron James can shoot. It is like, oh my goodness, this guy is so incredibly talented at shooting a basketball. It's like, what's really amazing about that is LeBron James didn't come into the league as a shooter. He's improved. He's gotten better. That's unheard of. John Wall, been in the league how many years? Can't shoot? I mean, how many guys are not great three-point shooters and they've never developed it? LeBron James developed a three-point shooting game, and that is so crazy. It's so cool. I just go watch the highlights from game two, Raptors, Cavaliers. LeBron James is like back. He's like running away. He'll turn. He'll throw up a shot and just make it's like it's like how? How does that go in over and over and over again? And he kept making shots that were like getting more and more increasingly ridiculous. These ridiculous fadeaways. And I was just like, man, LeBron James is so stinking good. I just not not to I don't know. I, I just was like I was blown away. Okay. So we just had this incredible draft class. We had Sam Darnold, Josh Rosen, Baker Mayfield. There's all these quarterbacks every year. We're like, which ones this year are the NFL guys? And, uh, you know, it looks like next year, for example, Drew Locke, the quarterback out of Missouri's, the the up-and-coming big quarterback for next year's NFL draft class. I want to put a guy on your radar, a guy you've never heard of, and if you have heard of him, you forgot about him. Because in a couple of years, we're going to be talking about Jacob Eason at the NFL Draft. I promise you. I can almost guarantee Jacob Eason, the quarterback from the University of Washington, will be an NFL top pick at quarterback. I can see it now. If you don't know who Jacob Eason was, I'm going to refresh your memory. He played quarterback at Georgia last year. He got hurt in the first game. He started, so two years ago, started as a true freshman all year. Last year... He played one game, got hurt, got benched for Jake Frum, and then Jake Frum never lost a game, so he never got a chance to go back in. And so Jacob Eason transferred away from Georgia. He's now at the University of Washington in Seattle. And he's not eligible to play. He transferred from Division I to Division I. So Jacob Eason will have to take a year off of school to sit and learn and get better at football. And this is so good for Jacob Eason. Because UW already has a quarterback. They have a senior quarterback this year, Jake Browning. No worry. Jacob Eason's going to sit. He's going to learn. And next year, 
in 2020, Jacob Easton, or I guess 2019-2020 year, Jacob Easton will be a junior. He's going to be the starting quarterback for the University of Washington, and he will be fantastic. And I'm telling you now so you don't forget, in the 2021 NFL Draft, three years from now, three NFL Drafts from this year, we will be talking about Jacob Eason as a top quarterback in the NFL Draft. Do not forget it. His name is Jacob Eason. He goes to UW. I'm telling you now so that in three years I can say, look, I was way ahead of the curve. I promise you. I told you back then, Jacob Eason is the next big deal in college football and in the NFL Draft. I mean, look, I know I have bias. Jacob Eason's from my state of Washington. He, but he's got a huge NFL arm. I've been around him a little bit. He's really great. He got, he got kind of in a weird situation at Georgia. but like, He played really great. He just had a weird situation where the backup quarterback kept winning and they didn't put him back in. But don't forget, the UW coaches are the same coaches who coached at Boise State. They got Kellen Moore to the NFL. And imagine if... If Mike Peterson can, Chris Peterson, whatever, if Peterson can do so well with Mike, I'm so bad with names. Like names are just not my thing at all. If Peterson can get Kellen Moore to the NFL, can have Kellen Moore be one of the most efficient, best quarterbacks in college in years. Just imagine what he can do with Jacob Eason, a real legit quarterback who's got a ton of NFL talent. Jacob Eason is the next Big deal when it comes to the NFL draft. He's not going to play this year. Three years from now, in the NFL draft, in the 2021 NFL draft, do not forget the name, Jacob Eason. Now, I want to put two more quarterbacks on your radar. These are quarterbacks to watch next year. They are college quarterbacks. I don't think either of them is really going to be a particularly amazing NFL quarterback, but they will have really good stats next year and have an impact. The first one is Eric Dungy. Eric Dungy is a quarterback from Portland, Oregon, my hometown. I watched him in high school. He's amazing. He, co- he played because uh, he was my class. He was a junior. He was a senior when I was graduated 2015 like me. He has started all four years at Syracuse. He started as a true freshman at Syracuse. And if you remember a couple years ago when Clemson lost to Syracuse in Syracuse, the reason was because Eric Dungy went off. Eric Dungy was fantastic. Now, I do not believe Eric Dungy's an NFL guy. But pay attention to Eric Dungy, the quarterback at Syracuse out of the ACC. He's going to put up really good stats this year. He's going to be fun to watch. And you just keep him in the back of your head. Because I do believe Eric Dungy's going to have a great year and be very interesting to watch this college football season. Now, the other one and the much bigger story is Shea Patterson. Shea Patterson is a quarterback transfer from Ole Miss. In fact, he was a starter at Ole Miss when they had all these allegations. Hugh Freeze left. And so Shea Patterson transferred out of Ole Miss to Michigan, uh, where he now plays for Jim Harbaugh. And Shea Patterson just was granted his eligibility, which means Shea Patterson will be the starting quarterback for Michigan this upcoming year. And it's going to be really fun. I believe Shea Patterson is the missing piece for Michigan's chance and hopes at winning a national title. Because, look, John Harbaugh's fantastic. He's won, I think, 10, game, 10 games, 10 games, and I think he took a small step back this last year. He's incredible. He just doesn't have a great quarterback. And Shea Patterson, Shea Patterson, I don't think is an NFL quarterback. I don't think he's a, he's a, he's a, maybe a backup. I don't think Shea Patterson will be an amazing NFL quarterback. He's got average arm strength. He's got some weird accuracy issues, some kind of weird mechanics. But I will say, Shea Patterson 
absolutely can win in college football. He gives Michigan a chance to win a national title. He will be fantastic. I'm really excited to watch Shea Patterson this coming year at Michigan in college football. All right, that's all I have, guys. I, uh... Your, your boy Zach is dead tired. I uh, It's 12.21 in the morning, so it's past midnight. Um, I'm going to Bozeman on Sunday. I'll be there from Monday through Wednesday filming a documentary. Um, and so I will not be doing a podcast next week until next Friday. I'm going to take Thursday off. I drive home. It's going to be it's 12 hours from Bozeman, Montana to Portland. I'm going to drive that long on Thursday. So um, it's going to be rough. It's going to be I'm aiming to do a podcast next Friday. That's my hope. That's my dream. Uh, it may not happen, uh, maybe not be till next Monday. Now, I, I just thought about this just now. If I drive 12 hours on Thursday, that means I have to set up my whole room on Friday and write a show and record a show. So it might not be Saturday, but I'm going to do a show next week. But I'm going to take about a week off because, you know, I just my brain is fried. I'm not going to be home. I can't do a podcast when I'm not home anyways. I'm in the middle of tearing down my entire room. Um, but I'm excited when I get back from Bozeman. I'll be on summer break, and I can put even more into this podcast, and that's what I'm excited for. I'm excited to have kind of a mental break, to write a bunch, to really prepare, and when we come back, the podcast is going to be even better. Because I'll, I'll be quite honest, the last two weeks have been subpar. They have not met my standards. I've not really... It's been good enough. People like it. We're growing like crazy, but I think this podcast is, could be much better than it is right now, and it's just been hard to manage finals and work. You know, I'm working three jobs and finals, and my podcast, and it's, it's a lot, so I, uh, I'm i excited, I'll be back next Friday, remember you can subscribe to Strong Opinion Sports on iTunes, on SoundCloud, and on YouTube, you can find the full entire hour-long podcast on YouTube, as well as my best, most interesting clips, tell your friends about Strong Opinion Sports, if you like Strong Opinion Sports as much as I do, help me grow this podcast by telling your friends about this show. All right, um, next time you see me, I'll be in a different room with a different background, a different wall. will not be gray anymore. And so uh, I appreciate you guys. I uh, hope you're hanging in there. I'm dead tired, and I will see you next Friday.